The Scream Kings are in no way responsible for any encounters with the paranormal, extraterrestrial abductions, eldritch insanity, hauntings, curses, hexes, demonic possessions, cryptozoological sightings, or any loss of sleep that may result from listening to this podcast. This is the Scream Kings Podcast. I'm Nathaniel Darkish. And I'm Max George. It's the doll, Ed. It's a podcast for other spirits. Okay, so we are finally, finally revisiting the Conjuring-verse. So this is our uh, Into the Conjuring-verse series part three. Return of the, It's like Return of the Jedi, but for Conjuring. No, it's not <laughs> like Return of the Jedi at all. This is more like Revenge of the Sith, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. I, so I, I I titled this episode Annabelle Schmanabelle. <laughs> Where is that? I didn't see that. That's just the name of the episode. Oh, no. I, I love that so much. Yeah, like Nathaniel just said, this is part three of the Conjuring verse. Our last two Conjuring episodes actually have done very well. These are very well known movies, and I think people like talking about them because they are fairly decent and pretty good horror movies. Yeah, I, I mean, you can revisit those episodes or, or listen to them the first time if you, if you haven't listened to them already, which I recommend doing before we get into this one. But, I mean, kind of to summarize our feelings of, of the first two movies, definitely, yeah, we, we really like The Conjuring 1 and 2. And maybe our feelings are a little bit more complicated once we start getting into these spinoff movies. So... Right now, we kind of have it planned so that uh, yeah, we have the three Annabelle movies together in this episode, and then soon we're going to do The Nun and The Curse of La Llorona, and I guess probably when Conjuring 3 comes out, we'll we'll revisit it then. Yeah, we'll, we'll kind of get some of our less than stellar feelings out here, but I mean, I will say, it's not like these are totally free of merit. Well, and I think it's important, too, that our next round of Conjuring-verse movies, we're going to be talking about The Nun and La Llorona, and I think those two movies are the bottom of the barrel as far as this universe goes. So while we may have some substantial negative things to say, I know me in particular, Annabelle comes home, she should have never left, or whatever. Um, Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. This four kind of part episode and eventually five with Conjuring 3, This these movies are still fairly solid. They take a lot of what the Conjuring universe has built and kind of lean into that in certain ways. Uh, they, they lack a lot of luster that the Conjuring 1 and Conjuring 2 have, um, and we'll get into that. It kind of brings us to kind of a, a good overarching discussion, though, that I think we need to have with this episode, Nathaniel. And that is kind of this macro universe that the Conjuring movies have created. Uh, We all know that the Conjuring movies are based on the life and times of Ed and Lorraine Warren, who, whether you believe they're frauds or actual spiritualists slash exorcists slash clairvoyants. And if you want um, to know our opinions of that, listen to our Conjuring 2 episode. Kablow! Um, They've really, though, kind of laid the groundwork for a millennial era of horror. I really think Conjuring 1 and Conjuring 2 are going to be very iconic horror movies for our generation and the generations to come. 
but they they've kind of sown these seeds of other horror movies in the sort of same quote unquote universe because everything has to be in a universe nowadays um is that a good thing is it a bad thing uh, just give or, us a little a little brief you know yeah or or i guess how how i phrase it um because i yeah i wrote up a question in our show notes and uh that you know i put a, a fair amount of thought into is just simply yeah so the conjuring verse is the most monetarily successful r-rated horror series of all time Outside of making money, should the Conjuring verse have split into these spinoffs? Uh, do they do good for the horror genre, or do they just perpetuate things that people complain about, both in and out of the horror community? And you know, is and and you know, basically, does that question or the answer to that question apply more to just like the Annabelle movies or the other spinoffs, or you know, kind of where where things fall? So, yeah, what I my my vision for this episode was that we would kind of talk about each movie talk about how much value it has, you know, to the series and just as a, as a standalone movie and all of that, uh, just to kind of, you know, share our thoughts, you know, considering it as both an individual piece and something greater. Awesome. So maybe let's just kind of dive right in, um, and talk about part one of our part three episode. I don't know. I was trying to be witty there and it failed. The first Annabelle movie. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Called um, Annabelle from 2014. Came out, yes, 2014. Um, this, I think, is the strongest of all three of the Annabelle movies. Um, and do you want to give us just a quick plot summary, Nathaniel, as far as like Spark Notes, but the free version of Spark Notes, so you only get the abbreviated rundown? Hey, Spark Notes has everything on their website for free. Anyway, <laughs> I don't ever use it to help write lessons. No, never. No, okay, so the gist of it is there is a uh, couple that get murdered by their teenage daughter and, like, her daughter's boyfriend, you know, in some Manson-esque killings. They're bleeding out. The blood gets into this antique doll that looks like it was designed by Satan himself. And then that antique doll, uh, shortly thereafter, ends up in the home of this young couple who are about to have a baby, and so, you know, there's, and, and, Annab and you know, it's, it's Annabelle, it's, it's this doll that, that we know from, uh, Conjuring 1, but this is, you know, before, and so basically, it does creepier and creepier things, there's definitely a demon attached to this doll, uh, and ultimately, it is trying to possess the wife of this, uh, young couple, yeah, basically tries to get her to kill her baby and uh, fails and then uh, ends up, you know, kind of ending up uh, in a in a thrift store after that, after they throw it away. And then, it, you know, shortly thereafter, presumably ends up with the nurses that, you know, get it at the start of The Conjuring. And I think what you just said there, that this demon is trying to possess this wife. She's a newly... A new mom, newly. I can't talk today. Um, and that really right there is kind of where the horror is found in this movie. For me, I've seen a lot of depraved things in my life. Whenever it comes to kids in horror movies, there's always this level of uneasiness. It's very pervasive in the sinister movies. 
And my favorite part about this first Annabelle in 2014 was they found that line and they got real close to it about what was okay and not okay to do with babies, I thought. Yeah, so so yeah, definitely the stakes were very yeah, high because yeah. there's a baby, you know, that is being threatened. You know, and, and also like I, I felt like this movie, probably more than a lot of the other ones, had uh, a protagonist that you know they did a good job of making you like her. I'd agree. Um, and 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 so you know, as as things start getting bad, you really are trying to root for her. As things get really scary, and also it, it was just a, a pretty solidly scary movie throughout. Like it wasn't perfect by any means, but it was scarier than it probably warranted, considering how not super original the story was well and i think that dynamic of the mother child kind of getting attacked by a non-human spiritual entity this demon who we do not know who it is i I think that is what made this movie enjoyable for me as you mentioned it was very scary throughout but scares aside it was also very uneasy um, it kind of reminded me of how I felt in The Babadook, where you have this mother-child dynamic, and that uneasiness between the two really keeps you on the edge of your seat and gives you your white knuckle kind of a reaction, because you're rooting for the baby, you're rooting for the mother, and you just kind of never know what's going to happen next. Agreed. Agreed. Were there like specific scenes or moments of the movie that, that really stood out to you? I mean, I love me a good demon. So um, when you kind of see, and it, you can't fully see it clearly, this monster that's holding this Annabelle doll that, I mean, seriously, is terrifying in and of itself, um, that's very viscerally scaring for people who don't interact with demons and the demonic on a daily basis like myself it's <laughs> jarring the conjuring universe i love the like yellow iris bloodshot eyes that they do for all of their kind of supernatural entities i think that's very good scare factor right there agreed and and i think what made i, I know what scene you're referencing so it's it's basically like on a on a stairwell i believe that, like she had to like go down to the basement to do laundry or something but it's dark and you see Annabelle emerge from the darkness on the stairwell, and then you see the demon holding it behind it a little bit. And it's just, like, still in the shadows, but, like, what you see is just, ugh. Just, just that reveal was very well done. Because, like, you get the willies when you see Annabelle come out, and then when you see the demon behind it, it was just, like... A, a two-step like well, thing. it was kind of like seeing the darkness behind the darkness you know I, there's always that corner in the dark that you th- know it's just a pile of clothes there but you see the pile of clothes shadow and then there's the bigger shadow behind it and it's very kind of mind boggling a little bit sometimes of, of i don't know the the darkness behind the darkness i like that term i need to make a shirt you can be the darkness behind my darkness, Nathaniel. It's almost Valentine's Day. Aww. <laughs> Aww. That's so the sweet. power of love compels you. Um, I will say, though, I'm kind of a purist. And if anyone knows anything about Ed and Lorraine and kind of the Annabelle story, they'll know that the Annabelle doll is a very harmless looking Raggedy Ann doll. Which makes it scarier to me. <laughs> I agree. And so seeing this like morbid and falling apart creepy porcelain doll that they've created 
does have a lot of cinematic value, but if you know the real story, you're kind of like, eh, they they changed that, you know? it. It's not a huge deal, but it, it does bother me a little bit that they couldn't have just had a creepy Raggedy Ann doll. I agree. I, I understand why they went with it. Cause, I mean, Definitely, I think the look of the doll is, is what spawned these movies more than anything else. I would agree, which is, is powerful in and of itself. Yeah, so I think they, they made the right choice for selling it to the public, but it's just not... But yeah, like like part of me just yeah wants it to be the 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 mundane as scary. Yeah, that's that's what really works for me. Knowing that it's a Raggedy Ann. Can I talk about another scene I really liked? Absolutely. Okay, so it's it's very early. That opening scene, just kind of how it ends when the the blood uh, of the the dead parents goes into Annabelle. I remember it, it like absorbs into her eye, and oh. So good. So yeah, creepy. That was really good. And again, this movie had a lot of potential. Can we get into why we didn't love it so much, maybe? Yes. And I think the first and foremost thing to me is the mystery and uncertainty of this Annabelle doll. And like we just talked about, her appearance, the doll's appearance, is very jarring and so it was almost spookier in conjuring one just by herself doing her own thing yeah I, I i agree completely like i feel like it's one of those things where you know the more that they add to her story and, and in many ways the less she gets or less scary she is it's that we spend too much time looking at her thinking about her thinking about the demon attached to her when when we just have that you know basically just like a standalone short film of her at the beginning of the conjuring it's so strong because it's this creepy story that really is unnerving and you know we know that that story is based in reality or you know at least allegedly happened i'm like yeah that's creepy that is so creepy but when you kind of take it up to this level it almost is like trying to make the thing that that we uh, that that drew us into this character like less interesting by connection to it. Like, does that make any sense? Like, yeah. Like, 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 like they they try to make it so like Annabelle did all these crazy demonic evil things before it ever got to those nurses, and then it kind of did like tame things with them. And like that's just not that interesting to me. And I think it's. It reminds me of a, a horror movie where they show you the monster in the first, like, 20 minutes. Yeah. And that's how this felt, too, and how these three movies make you feel. that The mystery of Annabelle and kind of that occult fear behind her vanishes. And it, it reminds me of It too. We've seen Pennywise do his thing, so when we see him again, we expect something scary we're expecting something spooky and so when it does happen it's we're expecting it it doesn't take us as by surprise it's it, it absolutely loses a lot of the natural intensity that comes with just the unknown if you explain anything to death even if the explanation is horrifying we as as a person or you know we as people we see the horrifying thing and it becomes less horrifying by us having some understanding of it. You know, the same thing is true of serial killers. The same thing's true of almost anything that, that is terrifying in the real world. If you understand it, 
it's often less terrifying just because you have spent some time familiarizing yourself, connecting with it in some way, even if it is truly messed up. Well, and our, our brains love organization. So if we see something that we don't understand or we're fearful of, and we can, like you say, take the time to understand it on a deeper level, our brains compartmentalize and organize, and that thing isn't as scary anymore. That's why exposure therapy is so powerful. Yeah, and, and like on the flip side, like that's why things like the writings of Lovecraft, you know, it's it's when you do see it, it's it's too much for your brain to understand and you go insane. You know, that kind of thing is more interesting because, like, it's unknowable. You know, and, and that's, you know, I think it's something that a lot of modern horrors try to do since Lovecraft. While this is trying to explain it to you in a way that's scary. And that's, it just doesn't work as well. Period. Well, and to go back to Hereditary, the reason I think that demonic and that scare factor worked so well is because there was no cloven-hoofed, yellow-eyed monster that we saw in the shadows. Uh, it was a glimmer of light. It was the evil that's in people's hearts. That true horror is what this movie was lacking. And where we talked a lot about kind of the peril and the danger that the mother and baby were in, the movie, it found that line, but it didn't get close enough. Had they kind of leaned into that more and maybe see some sort of mental breakdown with the mother um, or well, demonic well, influence, at least, I think it would have been powerful. Well, well, I mean, and that's how kind of the movie ends is that she basically becomes possessed uh, and think and and for a moment thinks she has killed her baby and then realizes that she didn't. And, and that's the most jarring scene of the entire movie. But I and this is going to sound messed up uh, because it is. But I think the movie would have been a better movie. It would have been a more truly horrific movie. I agree. I know what you're going to say. Yeah, if she killed the baby. It would be the witch versus what we got. Exactly. It's it's that true, absolute, you know, the, the unthinkable has happened. That's that's the truly horrifying thing, and and like there's a brief moment where they let you think that, and then they back off. Right. It, it's that they weren't really willing to commit to how horrifying the movie could have been, and probably should have been. Like I think my complaints about the the movie would have been uh, largely non-existent if if they had been willing to go that far, but they didn't, and they never got that dark ever again with the series. Well, and then you had kind of that main plot about the mother, this demon, and the baby, and then you had this very forced, disjointed plot about this Manson family cult, which, I love me a good cult, we all know this, Um, I like a cult with motive, I like a cult that has a purpose, Um, this just felt out of nowhere? Yeah, I mean, I don't know know what they were- I don't know. I don't get it. Well, I mean, like, it's how the movie started. And, like, part of me was okay with, like, okay, like, there's this horrific thing that that triggers uh, Annabelle. Like, that's kind of the inciting. And so I don't mind that idea. But, like, they just really wanted to set it in a specific point in time. And so they've made it very Manson, very, you know. It was, like, an origin story that was a little too convenient for me. And then, of course, they retcon it later, and it's like, oh, that's not the real origin. That's just something else that happens later to Annabelle. So, Well, let's move yeah. in that direction, then. Screams and Crowns for Annabelle 2014, Nathaniel. 
Um, I would give it uh, double sixes. So I would say, yeah, crowns. Yeah, you know, a, a decent six. It was a decent movie. It's not like when I, I have sought out again. I think I've watched it just the once, and I'm good with that. But, you know, it, I was entertained. I was spooked at, at moments. You know, there was a lot to like. Uh, and then, you know, Screams, again, at six, there were some really great scares in it, but it never really quite got to the scary level that I wanted it to. And I gave it a five for crowns, um, just because I did feel like they were forcing an issue throughout the entire movie. I really wish they would have had a little bit more heart behind it all. And then I gave it a six for the screams, because there are some incredibly jarring scenes, which we talked about. That baby scene really was off-putting. And like you mentioned, it, it would have made this one of the scariest movies in 2014 had the baby actually died. Yeah. Um, but they didn't. They kept the baby alive, which is a good thing for the baby. Yeah, good thing for that fake baby. <laughs> All right, so now let's talk about the real origin story of Annabelle. <laughs> yeah, so I guess just for starters, oh. I just want to say... This is where it falls apart. <laughs> yeah, like plot-wise, it starts falling apart here. Though, incidentally... I would say this one's probably my favorite out of the series. Oh, man. Oh, man. Which is, like, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Let's just say there's a lot of problems with it, but there's also a lot of things to like about this movie. But I'll just go on record now as saying I hate the idea of retconning the origin even further, making it more convoluted. It just seemed like a stupid decision when they announced the movie, and uh, after I saw it, I still felt that way. In fact, I thought it was even stupider after I saw how they, they did that. But few good things. Um, there are some really solid actors in this movie. A lot of the children actors, I think, blow it out of the water here. Mm -hmm. You have Samar Lee, who plays B, I believe. Lulu Wilson, who has been in other movies like Ouija. Um, she's great. I want to see more of her. It's a bummer that the script and the story and the plot didn't really do her justice. Um, yeah. she, she plays a girl, Linda. And the, the sweet little nurse, Esther Mullins, she did a phenomenal job, I thought. Oh, well, I'm sorry, it's Sister Charlotte, excuse me. Sister Charlotte was who I was thinking of. Yeah, Esther Mullins is the yeah. wife? Yeah, yeah, the wife of, of the guy who owns the house. Or I guess we should probably explain the plot a little bit, and then <laughs> we can jump into it. So, brief plot summary. There is a toy maker... And his wife, they had something horrible happen to their daughter when she was very young. Uh, there was, like, a fire or something, and it, like, burned the wife's face really bad and killed their daughter. Anyway, uh, years later, they decide that they want to open up their home, uh, which kind of, you know, it's like on a farm and, you know, all that kind of stuff, to basically be a, an orphanage for young girls. And so the Catholic Church brings uh, an orphanage worth of you know a small orphanage worth of, of girls there and you know some nuns and stuff to take care of them and while there they these girls kind of are poking around and stuff and then find annabelle which was the you know daughter of this family's doll maybe there's something more sinister going on and of course you know it, it's already evil and is starts to manipulate these girls and you know ends up basically possessing one of them for a while and you know there's monsters and ghoulies and stuff that abound and they try to get rid of 
Annabelle by chucking her down a well, but she keeps re-emerging, and the, it kind of falls apart. The well, I think, was my favorite part of the entire show. I thought that was really creepy and kind of a fun concept. Yeah, there, there's a lot of things to like. So, yeah, like you said, I felt like the acting was good across the board. I especially felt that the child acting was better in that mo- or in, in this movie than, than most other movies. Uh, child acting is something, as, as we've mentioned uh, in previous episodes, is something that can really ruin certain movies. Uh, but I felt like it was pretty solid across the board with these kids. They, they kind of knew what they were doing. You know, I really liked a lot of the characters. I, I, I felt... Like, I empathized with the characters more in this film than a lot of other ones. I like that the main character had a disability, that, you know, she's in a wheelchair, and that doesn't define her, but it is uh, creates some interesting obstacles to overcome. And, yeah, that's, a, I think, some good representation in horror movies. You know, you hardly ever see anyone bound to a wheelchair in movies like this. So points given for that. I thought the nun character, and her name is slipping my mind again... Sister Charlotte. I thought she was a very good representation of what I would want a religious person to be like in my life. She was very convicted to her faith, but at the same time, she kind of had her own voice and her own motive. And I don't know, it it was kind of that difference of living your religion and believing in your religion, which was really cool to see in a movie. You know, usually you see nuns, which we'll talk about when we get to the nun, and they're just kind of mindless robots with blind obedience. So it was really refreshing to see that. Absolutely. And and another thing I really liked about this movie, uh, other than the characters, which, you know, again, I, I, I found them likable. I found them, empath- you know, I empathize with them, is that there are some really good set pieces in this movie. Like, yes. Better than this movie deserves, honestly. And, <laughs> and probably gave me, you know, the, as, as high of a, a good feeling towards it uh, as, as I have. Because just the set pieces are so freaking great. My favorite set piece, of course, uh, and I think this is true of probably almost anyone who has seen the film, is the chairlift for uh, the girl, you know, who's in a wheelchair. So just, you know, it's a thing that slowly goes up the stairs or slowly down the stairs. Yeah, that was awesome. Oh, man. There are some scenes where that thing is just makes for some really scary moments. Oh, man. I, I liked the well... Again, I I like the demon aspect of Annabelle. It was very unexplained, which is problematic as we've already talked about. Let's talk I'm about ha- what we didn't like. <laughs> okay, so <sighs> like again, it it retroactively changed the origin story and made it also like deliberately more vague again. And I do like that you know we still kind of don't know where Annabelle's demon originally kind of came into the picture. I do like that. But we already had that, and then they changed that, and then it changed it back to that. And that's kind of annoying. Uh, This, again, this forced subplot about the Toymaker's wife being this, like, spooky shadow in the backgrounds with her weird doll face from Houses That October Built. And, yeah, yeah, that that she, like, never comes out and stuff like that. yeah, it, it felt like a, a definitely a very forced subplot. It had nothing to do with the main story. It was just weird. And overall, while there were a few good, scary, spooky parts, it was just a haunted house movie. It didn't like bring anything new to the table in any which way, other than completely rewriting the origin story of Annabelle. <laughs> it also kind of gave us a whole bunch of new like spooky monsters to, to be afraid of that were 
I guess the demon, but maybe not the demon. Maybe another demon. I don't know. I was kind kind of confused by it, but yeah, like there's a a scary scarecrow that terrorizes the girls in the barn and stuff like that. And and you could tell that they were definitely like, hey, how many things could we make potential spinoffs for? That's exactly what it felt like. It, it was very much like Conjuring Two with the Crooked Man, where they dropped this new spooky creature and are hoping that it does the same thing that Annabelle does. Yeah, and and like. They weren't very good CGI for those, and uh, there, there's just too many of them. I didn't really follow, yeah, were they that, you know, the Annabelle demon? Were they something else? I I, I guess I, I, I was left with too many questions about them and never got, yeah, satisfactory answers. I think this movie, of the three, and eventually when we get to The Nun and La Llorona, was the beginning of the franchisement of the Annabelle kind of situation. I really didn't love this movie, and I thought that it was just the directors and the creators of the Conjuring verse making a quick buck real fast. Um, you can almost sense the lack of passion and the lack of care in some of the scenes that they just are going to work, getting it done. They're going to make a pretty penny in October when this comes out. And then we'll think of a new script for the next one. Yeah. And, and yeah, like there's, there's just so much like there, there were like allusions to maybe the demon is Valak, the nun, or it might be something else. It just, it, it, it threw out too many things to make it like everything's connected. And I don't like that. I like the idea that, you know, the Warrens are out doing stuff and it doesn't necessarily have to have, you know, a connection to the last thing they did and the connection to the future thing they did. And, and this is, yeah, where that really departs from those kinds of ideas uh, and, and, yeah, moves into this new everything is interconnected, everything was a secret plot from this demon to get at the Warrens or something weird like that. Like, it all feels very forced and I don't like that. And a true origin movie for Annabelle to do it justice, I think, is to show what this demon is, how it attached to the doll, and why. And I think Annabelle 2014 tried to do that, and then they decided to do Annabelle Creation, and it just makes no sense. This doll is evil, but why? Um... And why is this evil so powerful that it can cause physical things to happen and these hallucinations of monsters? And who is this cloven-hooved dark figure controlling it? Like, it just... It's so franchised. It's a scary doll, so we're just going to make a movie about that scary doll and what more scary things can that doll do? Ugh, it drives me bonkers. Do I give the ratings then? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> you first. Um, I give it a four on crowns. Um, everyone's just going to get really tired of me complaining about these movies by the end of it. Um, I thought the plot was fun and original, but at the same time contrived and just kind of superfluous. I didn't really care that much about... I think contrived and original are, are contradictory ideas. Um, ideas here. Yeah, but that's the the thing with this movie is it just kind of made no sense. So I gave it a four for crowns and a four for screams. There were some good moments. The set pieces were fun. I really liked the well. Um, thank you. Next, and for me, so my ratings are 
might be a little bit surprising. So for Crowns, I gave it a 7. And it, part of it is for reasons that I, I haven't really talked about. Um, mostly, I think the, the big things are, are, yes, the acting uh, was a lot better in this movie than a lot of the other movies in the Conjuring-verse, especially the spinoffs. Um, and also, the cinematography was gorgeous. It, it honestly got a, a fairly big bump just because it's a very, like, aesthetically pleasing movie to look at. You know, and, and uh, in a way that, that does a good job with the creep factor of, of a lot of the scares and things like that. It it got a bump just from being a well-crafted film. It's It's not necessarily a well-written film, but I feel like a lot of the way that it set up scares and, and delivered on them really worked for me. And, like, if this were a standalone film rather than a part of a series, I think I would like it even more. And so I kind of gave it a bump just kind of considering it from that perspective. Where, you know, if, if, if it wasn't Annabelle, if it was just some other spooky doll or something, I think the movie would be stronger. I'd agree, actually. And this idea of the the killed daughter kind of wreaking havoc on these new set of orphaned kids, I think it would have been a better plot than what we got. Yeah, and, and honestly, this is something I suspect of this movie, is that it very well could have been that they bought a script that already existed that had nothing to do with the Conjuring verse and turned it into an Annabelle movie. And so I, I would say those original elements like really shine, even though there are things that by adapting it into the Conjuring universe just made it work less well. I think that's a shame, because I think this, this movie really does have a lot to it that got undone by it being in this universe of films. I would, I would agree with you there. All right, and now we get to talk about your favorite entry in the series, Annabelle Comes Home. Oh my gosh. Uh, okay, so Annabelle Comes Home is the newest addition to this trio of Annabelle Schmamabels. Um, it came out last year, 2019, and it has a lot to do with kind of the menagerie, not the right word, menagerie of the Warrens and their collections. We are leaving that in, so help me, Satan. Um, <laughs> so the Warrens have this room dedicated in their house to all of the spooky things that they have found. Um, they have this samurai outfit that was cursed. Annabelle, of course, features there. Um, all these different relics and trinkets, gizmos, gadgets, and the Little Mermaid, the Little Mermaid would be in heaven. They go on a vacation or they go on a supernatural tour. I don't know. That was the first failure of the movie. And so their daughter is left with this very responsible babysitter. I was pretty proud of her most of the movie. And the babysitter's best friend recently had a death in her family. She knows all about the Warrens and their spookiness, so really wants to come over and check all of this stuff out. She does. Long story short, she ends up unlocking Annabelle, and then Annabelle's demon does a lot of things that I don't really know what because this movie is ridiculous. <laughs> okay, yeah, so, so Annabelle lets all of the other evil spirits out, basically. Um, chaos runs amok in the house. These teenagers, plus the Warren daughter, are, are trying to get things under control. They 
barely managed to do so with the help of the warrants at the very end when they show up. But yeah, it's, it's mostly just like them running from a bunch of different like spooky things. And then, you know, things end up happy and good. And, you know, this this girl who, who really wanted to try to connect with her, the spirit of her dead father through this room, gets to have a, a moment of that. And it's sweet and, you know, get, gives you the good feels. Uh, what did you like about it? Let's just get it over with. <laughs> okay, so there are two main things that I think are worthwhile in this movie. The first one is that there are a few really solid, like, really fun scares. Um, There's, like, a ghost or demon or something like that that is connected to these, like, silver dollars, you know, like, that, 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 you know, you put on the dead or, you know, it would put silver dollars on people. It was, like, a serial killer or something. Very River Styx and Charon kind of that motif. Yes. And so... You keep seeing these coins around, and and then there's a moment where that ghost is attacking, and you see the outline, and then you see the two silver dollars uh, over its eyes, and then they fall down and, like, clatter to the floor, and as it, like, lurches at her. Oh, so good. That was so creepy. And that that was a good scare, though, because... It was original. The silver dollars were kind of seamlessly floating in the air when you first saw it, which was really cool, I thought. Um, And then they drop, of course, and you see this fairy man from hell, basically. Um, I really, that was probably the only redeeming factor for me. Yeah, so that was definitely (laughs) probably the the scary highlight of the film. Um, The other thing is that this movie is a really great movie. To just, like, turn off your brain and, like, laugh at, like, a crazy horror movie. Like, the premise is bonkers. You know, it's 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 the... It's it's 50 horror movies in one. Or at least it should have been. That, that's what they promised in the trailer. They really it ended up being more like four horror movies in one, but still. It was like yeah, half we, a horror movie. <laughs> I mean, I didn't say that they were good horror movies. <laughs> I'm but, just gonna be it, sassy this entire time. <laughs> Well, that's fine. Like, yeah, it's not a good movie, but it's it's great at being a dumb, fun horror movie. It's the kind of horror movie where, again, yeah, you turn off your brain, you watch teenagers get chased around by some ghosts, you have a good time, eat some popcorn, call it good. So it's it, it's it's a stupid movie, but it was very entertaining while being very stupid. And I guess for me, I was so sorely disappointed because Conjurings are so good. Um, Annabelle 2014 was decent. Annabelle Creation was decent. This, to me, was the pinnacle of franchisement. I thought that there was a non-existent plot. I started it and I finished it. And it was, I was like, what just happened? I don't even feel like i've watched an episode of a horror like i was so incredibly disappointed with the plot i thought it was disjointed i thought it was contrived i thought it was erratic um it didn't make any sense to me what was going on at certain points it just felt so superfluous that i did not care i did not enjoy anything other than what we've already talked about with the silver dollar ghost yeah, so so I mean, like to me, what the appeal is is just the same kind of thing that made the end of Cabin in the Woods fun, where 
it's just like 50 creepy things, you know, different monsters and ghosts and crap all at once. Like, you don't really get that, you know, that that weird mixture of stuff. You know, this had like, yeah, the silver dollar ghost. It had Annabelle doing stuff. It had a werewolf for a little bit. It had a whole bunch of weird crap. And it was fun. It wasn't good, but it was fun. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Like, this is the pinnacle of this Conjuring verse really being a sellout, who cares, let's just make a buck kind of movie. And it was frustrating, too, because the trailers really made this out to be something very, very scary. Um, And I thought that the premise had a lot of potential. You have this massive onslaught of evil contained in this room, which the two Conjuring movies and the Nun kind of have built up to be this almost a sanctuary of evil, uh, which was really fascinating. You have the daughter of Lorraine Warren, who, you know, you, you feel this like spiritual hereditary genetics thing going on. She can kind of see the shadows like her mother. So maybe this is her time to take up that mantle. Um, but the Warrens piece out within the first 10 minutes. The the sanctuary of evil is just all over the place. The samurai armor, the haunted TV, um, the plot and the acting and the scares. I guess I just felt like something was going to happen and then nothing ever did happen. And then the movie was over and I was ticked that I wasted my time. (laughs) Okay. That's fair. I mean, and, and yeah, you brought up the acting, and I, I agree. Like, you could tell that these were actors that were cashing a paycheck, uh, especially the <laughs> actors who play the Warrens. Yeah. They, they were, you know, contractually obligated to be in this movie. They said, okay, well, you know, pay us X amount of dollars. We'll do this dumb movie. Um, you know, we'll be at the end or the beginning and the end of this movie. Then we'll peace out. They probably filmed everything in two days and said, okay, cool. Bye. Where's our th- dumb. Where's our $3 million. Mm-hmm. And, um, and also, yeah. So, so it, it really almost like cheapens the other conjuring movies that were really good by having them in this movie. And I think that right there is why Annabelle comes home offends me so much. Um, Conjuring 1 and Conjuring 2, as we've gathered in this episode, are very solid horror movies. Conjuring 1, I watched it way back when, when I was a straight boy, on Halloween with my ex-wife, and it scared the poop out of me when I first saw it. And so I think you build that expectation, and you see Annabelle 2014, and it doesn't live up, and you think to yourself, okay... They just kind of screwed up. It was really pretty good. They had the baby scene. The next one will make it all better. And then Annabelle Creation comes out, and it's even less than, with more of that sellout kind of a vibe. And then you see the trailers for this movie, and it's supposed to be, you know, like you said, 50 horror movies in one movie. And it's abysmal. It it just infuriated me because I love Conjuring 1 and 2, and this just flopped. It did not do its predecessors and its origins justice in any way. So I rate this pretty low. I gave it a 2 on crowns just because 
I feel like there's a special movie somewhere out there that will deserve a one, and I'm waiting for that moment to happen. Mm. Um, and two for a scares. There wasn't a single part of this movie that I was scared at all. I I saw the spooks coming. Uh, the silver dollar ghost was fun and cool, but not it didn't scare me in the slightest. I thought it was fun. I thought it was a good idea, but it didn't get under my skin whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's definitely a lot more jump scares too. Ugh. Yeah. So I think like, this might be the lowest rated movie I've ever talked about on our podcast, Nathaniel. Quite possibly. Mm. Um, I'm going to rate it a little bit higher than you. So crown wise, <laughs> I give it a four. It's not, again, it's not a good movie. But I'm giving it a four because I would actually watch this movie again. Because even though it's dumb, I had fun. I would like to be inebriated. (laughs) Well, and for me, it's like this is a movie where I could watch it with especially like a group of people. And if we, you know, riffed on it mystery science theater style, oh, it would be perfect for that. And then Scarewise, I gave it a three going back to you know there there are some great spooky moments you know with yeah again silver dollar guy but other than that not really anything spooky in this movie it was really not great really a lot of jump scares i mean there was there was quite a few jump scares in the other two annabelle movies too but yeah there was just not that much that stood out also i want to say one other thing about it so the person who directed this one he was the one who wrote the other Annabelle well he he wrote the first Annabelle movie and I don't know I can't tell who's really credited oh yeah and and I guess he also at least partially wrote the second one though I again I suspect that's mostly uh some major reworking of someone else's script um but he is the one I believe who is directing the Conjuring 3 no lord help us yeah, I thought it was going to be James Wan again, but it's not. And that's the Apparently werewolf close. one, right? Well, that's what they were making it look like, but I don't know. Actually, no. Maybe he's not the one. Let me look at who it is. It will probably be the sister of Valak, who was a priest, or I don't even know. One, I hate that The Conjuring 3 has a subtitle. The devil made me do it. Not a good <laughs> Okay, subtitle. so then it's definitely the werewolf, because that was part of their investigation, was the guy was, he said that it wasn't his fault, and it was kind of this thing of, you know, the devil made me do it is not going to hold up in a court of law. Mm-hmm. So oh, that no, would no. be fun. Yeah, the third one, it's actually directed by Michael Chavez, who directed The Curse of La Llorona. Mm-hmm. Why, James Wan, why are you not taking the helm again? Why hast thou forsaken us, James Wan? Yeah, I mean, I'll go see it, but eh, I'm just worried. Let's get back to kind of our thesis of this whole thing, is was this Annabelle franchise really worth it? Overall, was this a good thing for the horror genre and for all of us horror nerds out there? There are good things and there are bad things. <laughs> As in life, there are good things and bad things. Um, so, I and, think and, it it started out with good intentions. I think they mm-hmm. saw Annabelle and the Conjuring and said, wow, this is getting a lot of good visceral scares. We could kind of lean into this. And that's where we get Annabelle 2014. 
Um, great movie overall. Um, but then they saw how much money a cheap horror trick could make. And that's when they just didn't care anymore. And that yeah. ultimately hurts the Conjuring universe more than helps. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that at this point, the Conjuring verse, particularly with the later Annabelle movies and also with the other spinoffs, which we will talk about next time we visit the Conjuring verse, uh, you know, our, our uh, foray into the Conjuring verse. What it has done is it has made the Conjuring movies a bad parody of themselves. Mm-hmm. They're not the same caliber of scares. They're not the same caliber of writing. They're not the same caliber of acting. Um, it's just not the same. But I will say that there is some, there is a silver lining to this uh, crap storm. And that is that it has again shown studios that they can throw at least a you know moderate to high amount of money at horror movies, and those horror movies will make money. Now, that will both be good and bad. Uh, sometimes it will be that we're just going to get more you know crap getting churned out like the you know like like the later Annabelle films and the other Conjuring verse movies that just suck. That's going to be some of it, but it will also mean that that good directors and you know good screenwriters who have really interesting original ideas in horror are that much more likely to get funded by these studios. These studios will be able to say, "Hey, we are going to make money on this movie because it's a because it's a piece of horror," and and yeah, they might you know be able to market it to people who yeah just mindlessly consume whatever they they churn out uh, but also you know it, it, it's it you know it's that much more rewarding for for horror fans because horror fans will get higher budget movies because of that it's a double edged sword and i really hope that that's true because if if we can get more kind of funding for those lesser known horror ideas i think we can get some really amazing stuff uh, franchises are a part of life we all love a different franchise whether it's star wars or harry potter or lord of the rings or conjuring even or nightmare on elm street or friday the 13th you know hor yeah horror and franchises have been a thing since horror was invented you know early universal monster movies became you know that they, they almost immediately spawned sequels and you know full-blown franchises you know there's what like four or five frankenstein movies plus then there's crossover movies like all of this is not new at all and and i guess i think that the danger comes in when you're just relying on that franchise to make money which i think at the end of the day this is what the annabelle movies have done yeah, and, and I think that's true of every single franchise in general. Like, like regardless of what it is, there are instances where we can look at any franchise that you love, and there are going to be things in it that are worthwhile, and there's things that are at least less worthwhile. You know, I feel like there are, like, re like three really worthwhile Nightmare on Elm Street films, and the rest of them are just eh. I haven't watched enough of the Friday the 13th series to tell you how many I, I like in that series. I think I've only watched two of them and didn't love either of them, but that's okay. But yeah, I mean, you know, even the more mainstream stuff, like Lord of the Ring movies, I, I could watch on, on repeat forever. Uh, but the Hobbit movies, nope. 
not so much. <laughs> and and I say that with as The Hobbit is my favorite book. So, you know, there's always goods and bads to a franchise. And so it's just interesting to see how strongly that's represented with this particular franchise. All right. Do we close this wonderful chapter of the podcast and talk about what we're doing to stay spooky? Of course. Lovely. Well, I want you to go first. What are you doing to stay spooky when you're not being angry at Annabelle movies? <laughs> um, I watched a documentary today on Amazon Prime called Haunters, The Art of the Scare. Oh, I've been meaning um, to check that one out. It's actually really, really good. Um, it's very controversial, I think. Um, it's about extreme haunted houses, and we all know how much I actually hate haunted houses. Um, and this documentary just made that hatred even more stable. It's about really this this place called the McCamey Manor, which is an extreme haunted house to the point where they make you sign like a 40 page waiver. You have to be completely uh, pass a sports physical and a doctor's letter saying that you're physically and mentally okay. Uh, you have to have a background check. You have to have a in-person interview with the creator, proof of medical insurance, um, and pass a drug test. Like, it's nuts at how intense this is. Because in the interview, they'll ask you, like, your top three or five things that you're afraid of. And then this creator goes nuts with it. They showed some of the footage in the documentary, and I was appalled that they are still like operating they were talking about one part where if the person who is participating throws up you pick up their throw up and force feed them again like Ooh. it's nuts nathaniel how much they can get away with they were talking about how some lady was terrified of germs and so they found this like big container a dog poop and somehow put it in a toilet system and then made the toilet regurgitate on her like it's nuts and you have two to three hours to survive this thing and i was just kind of appalled and disgusted at how depraved these people are um they show some of the follow-up footage of the people who've gone through this and you can just tell that they'll never be the same ever again and they volunteered to do this and they paid good money to do it no that's the thing you only have to bring four things of dog food um all of the money that is made in the system goes to the great hound relief organization of the area that you find it in Weird. so all of the money comes from this guy he's this old navy officer and you should check out their website because they've got some pictures about what they do and it it's like real life torture it's nuts nuts um documentary really kind of creeped me out a little bit so if you want to hate haunted houses like i do even more go watch this documentary man i'm i'm never gonna make you do anything that intense but we are gonna do a haunted house thing and record you going through it soon well i mean and by soon i mean like this year like i just have a picture right now pulled up of a guy holding a lady's face with both his hands spitting blood in her face whether that's fake blood or animal blood of some sort like that's the level of intensity of this thing like oh 
Well, that's just unpleasant. So like, two. I, dif- I just don't like. I I get even some of the more intense scares. I don't get that crap at all. It's like, next level, and it's two to three hours, and there's no sort of safe word or signal that you're done and you've had enough. Um, you have to endure however long they want to torture you, and I just don't understand what would cause someone to do that. So, uh, anyway, stay spooky. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, my uh, staying spooky is much less disgusting than that. I just got some Edgar Allan Poe socks and wanted to brag about it. Ah, that's fun. What do they have on them? Edgar Allan Poe's face. Oh, less exciting. I thought there were going to be quotes. No, it's just Edgar Allan Poe. What's better than Edgar Allan Poe? I mean, I guess if I found, like, Shirley Jackson socks, then I would be really excited. But I'm really excited about my Poe socks, and I totally wear them all the time teaching now, and it's wonderful. All right, everyone. Well, I think that is it for this episode. You really have nothing else to say about my post talks other than you wish there were quotes on them? I haven't seen them in person, so I will reserve judgment until that time happens. Fine. (laughs) All right. Well, everyone, you stay spooky out there. Stay spooky. Need even more Scream Kings? Here's our obligatory shameless social media plug. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Screen Kings Pod. You could also email us at ScreenKingsPodcast at gmail.com. Help us reach a wider audience of horror fans by leaving a review on iTunes or by sharing a link on social media. You can also support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash Screen Kings. Stay spooky.